tonight? Living the dream? Something like it? <laughs> if you guys have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Proverbs. And we're going to start a study through the book of Proverbs. And I'm not sure exactly how it's going to look yet. Tonight we're going to, we're going to take a look at the prologue and, and do a little intro on the book of Proverbs. And, and we may take Proverbs topically. We may take Proverbs... Uh, verse by verse, but there, it, it broaches so many subjects in so many places throughout the book uh, that it's a challenge to to just keep it. It might be easier just to wrap it around the topics as we work our way through the purpose or the point of the of the variety of different uh, calls to wisdom. So as we look at it tonight, I just want to remind you, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom signifies two things. Skillful living... In submission to God and Jesus. And we'll see those two things as we work our way. So the ability to make wise choices, to live successfully according to the standards of of a covenant community. In other words, being in a relationship with Christ. The one who lives skillfully produces things of lasting value both to God and to the community itself. In other words, when we are receiving wisdom from God, when we are in submission to God, when we are following God, what happens is there's a blessing from us to the community, to the church, and there's a blessing from us to God, and ultimately from us toward others. So <clears throat> we'll see that, hopefully, as we continue our journey through. So if you got your Bibles, Proverbs 1, we're going to take a look at the first seven verses tonight. Says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand the words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb. And the saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fools despise wisdom and destruction. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would, by your spirit, anoint our time as we open your word. God, show us your way. Be glorified as we seek to honor you and glorify you, Lord. And God, it's our desire to rightfully divide the word of truth. So Lord, we pray that your spirit would guide us. That you would lead us, that you would be glorified as we probe the depths of your word. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so as we begin, we see who these are the Proverbs of, right? It tells us in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. Now, I don't want you to assume too much in that statement. Solomon put these together. Some of these are Solomon's Proverbs. Some of these are Proverbs Solomon heard from other places or read in other places. And he took and brought them into submission to God. He may have changed a few things, a few points of that proverb. And then he presents that proverb to us. So Solomon ultimately is the the author in terms of bringing all of these sayings together. Bringing all of these concepts together for us to study. He was the son of David. And it was during his time as king of Israel. So we're probably looking at Solomon's um, middle, what do you call it? I want to say middle ages. That's not right. Uh, midlife, not crisis, though. Okay, 
So the middle of, of the middle of Solomon's life. So we want to understand the concept. These are proverbs. So what is a proverb? How is it that we interpret proverbs? How do we look at proverbs? How do we understand them? There's a lot of ways to see proverbs, and we see them used a lot of different ways throughout Scripture. So we'll just take a minute to look at some of those. A proverb can be described as an object lesson. It's based on or using a comparison or analogy. You'll see it in Proverbs. Proverbs will follow an A, B, A, B uh, um, pattern. In other words, there'll be a comparison. There'll be contrast by comparison. For example, the simplest one for us to look at tonight, the wise and the fool. Right? So there's a comparison by contrast between the, the wise man and the fool. <coughs> so, so Proverbs are going to do that. It might be a, a short saying that just provides a general truth. Okay? Little pithy sayings. Things that you can remember, right? That that uh, give us a general truth. For example, in it, in Ezekiel chapter sixteen, verse forty-four, Ezekiel is giving a a riddle or a parable of Judah, describing that Judah is like her sister Sodom, and it uses this phrase in verse forty-four: "Behold, everyone who uses uh, proverbs will use this proverb about you, like mother, like daughter." See, Proverbs not that hard for us to comprehend, right? We have other ones. The apple doesn't fall far from a tree. You guys familiar with that proverb? That means your kids are like you. Uh, it's great news, right? <coughs> uh, it can also be a proverb. Can also be a lesson pulled out of experience. In other words, uh, uh, the story, Aesop's fables. They were a story that had a moral of the story, right? Proverbs can be the same thing. In Psalm seventy-eight. This is what we read. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter utter dark sayings from of old. Things that have been heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So the lessons, the parables. He said, I'm going to tell you a parable, story. Scripture is full of, (coughs) and we see multiple times, excuse me, that Jesus chooses to give an illustration to give a point, right? So that's the idea of a parable. uh, That's the idea also of a proverb. Proverb can be an illustration. A proverb can be... A pithy saying. We'll see both of them as we study um, the book of Proverbs. The other thing is it can just be a common example. It can be a common example. We read something like that in Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28 verse 37 it says, You shall become a whore, a proverb, and a byword, that all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. In other words, the people are going to become an example their example will be a proverb, a riddle, a, a concept to those who look on that they can see the judgment of God in the life of the nation of Israel. So a common example can be a proverb. A pithy saying, an illustration, a common example uh, of seeing things. And the, and, and the final thing that we can see that the Bible describes as a proverb is a promise or a pattern that shows future blessing or cursing. And we can read that one in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 21, 1 through 5 says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, 
Set your face toward Jerusalem and preach against the sanctuaries. Prophesy (coughs) against the land of Israel. And say to the land of Israel, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you and will draw my sword from its sheath and cut you off uh, and cut off from you both righteous and wicked. Because I will cut off from you both righteous and wicked, therefore my sword will be drawn from its sheath against all flesh from the north to the south. And all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, for I have drawn my sword from its sheath, it shall not be sheathed again. So he gives this pattern of of the sword, speaking of judgment, speaking of curse or God's judgment upon the people. So all of these things the Bible (coughs) looks at as Proverbs and Each one of these types of examples we'll see as we work our way through the book of Proverbs. Now the point, the the purpose as we come to the book of Proverbs is this. To help each one of us to choose the best course of action among those that are available. He's going to tell us what the wise way is, what the foolish way is. He's going to show us things that we should restrain or keep out of our life. He's going to show us things that we should keep in our life and pursue. We want to understand as we work our way through the difference. And this is going to be really one of the main subjects as we do the book of Proverbs. And that is the difference between the way of the fool and the way of the wise. We want to be or we want to follow the example of the way of the wise. So when we consider this concept of wisdom... There are four characteristics of wisdom that the Bible talks about. And we need to understand each one as we work our way through so that we can understand what it is that the Bible is talking about when it talks about wisdom. The first one is practical wisdom. Now, you and I would know practical wisdom as common sense, right? Everybody's familiar with common sense? Even some of the people who don't have common sense are familiar with common sense, right? So the idea of practical wisdom or common sense It's twofold. It's the ability to cope with daily problems, and it also can speak to skills that God gives. Skills and ability that God gives. That's that's called wisdom. That's called wisdom. In fact, we read about it. Exodus 28.3 says, You will speak to all the skillful. That word skillful, we're going to see today in, in the word for wisdom. Same word. Same word. What's it talking about? That you are skillful, for I have filled you with the spirit of skill that you may make Aaron's garments and consecrate them to the priesthood. When we look at Belial in the development or the building of the tabernacle, the Bible says that God gifted him with skill. God gave him wisdom. Same word. God gave him wisdom. The ability to cope, to deal with the daily struggles or his daily chores. And we see that in Exodus 28. The second kind of wisdom we can look at that we're going to see is a intellectual wisdom it's a wisdom of understanding and knowledge you know it's the wisdom that we get from watching probably not the history channel there's got to be something though that has wisdom or i would have said bill nye the science guy but he turns out to be a moron too so as we as we work our way through this is example to us we see this form of wisdom intellectual wisdom in solomon's life in first kings four thirty three. When Solomon is discussing the things that he's learned, listen to what it says. He spoke of trees. From the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts. 
and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. All of that, the wisdom that Solomon had, all that wisdom that Solomon had, the reservoir, if you will, that he could dip into, that reservoir included an intellectual wisdom, an understanding of trees, an understanding of animals, an understanding of of creation and the things around him. So (coughs) intellectual wisdom is one of the one of the points of wisdom that we'll see as we work our way through the book of Solomon. The third kind of wisdom is moral wisdom. Moral wisdom, self-control, the ability to be or to do the things that God is asking us to do, to act in righteousness, to behave with justice and equity, fairness. Those are all concepts of wisdom that the book of Proverbs is going to talk to us about. And the fourth one, the final one that we want to talk about, is riddles. Proverbs and riddles or parables. Stories that that God wants us to to see, that, that cause us to seek the reality behind the appearance. What is the point? What is God trying to show us in this riddle? For example, one that we can think about is Psalms 49, verse 5. This is a question a lot of people have. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surround me? The idea of Psalm 49.5 is, why do the wicked prosper and why am I having such a hard time? I'm trying to do what God wants and my life's hard and all their iniquities all around me, but they, they seem to be doing fine. <coughs> the idea is we want to understand, we want to understand the reality behind the appearance. It also tells us this, that God makes a distinction between His people and people who are outside. God makes a distinction in regard to wisdom to His people and those who are outside. And this is going to be an important concept as we work our way through. But you may remember this. Jesus told us about this in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, here's what Jesus said in verse 10. It says, Then the disciples came and said to Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now who's Jesus talking to? The disciples. So it was given to them. Was it given to everyone? Not yet. Not yet. When Christ came, what did He come to do? He came to die, right? He was going to the cross. That was the purpose. The purpose for which He came was to die on the cross, to pave the way for salvation for you and I and all who were before and would come after. So He's going to the cross. Paul would say this, if if the lords of the land have known... What it was that Christ was going to accomplish by dying on the cross, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's what Paul said. If the, if the powers, if the rulers of this world, if the enemy, if the devil had understood what was going on, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have crucified him. He didn't get it. Why? Because he spoke in parables and he only revealed the secret of the kingdom of God to who? His disciples. That's why he spoke in parables. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed (coughs) hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. 
For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts in turn, so that I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets, righteous people, long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus came to a, at a specific time to a specific group of people whom he opened the eyes that they would understand. He opened their eyes that they would understand. We see a distinction in the word between the wise and the fool, between the believer and the outsider. The believer is able to comprehend and understand what's going on. So let's take a look at this, at this uh, <coughs> preamble, if you will. Of, of the book of Proverbs. The purpose of the book, to develop moral skill and give mental discernment. To, de- to develop moral skill. How can I please God by what I do? And mental discernment. How do I understand the difference between good and evil? How do I understand these things? This is the purpose. In verse 2 it says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Now, literally, this word wisdom is the word chokmah, which means skill. Remember I told you, sometimes wisdom points to having a skill. So what's it talking about? To, to know the skill and instruction. To know skill and instruction. The skill of the craftsman in constructing the tabernacle. We looked at that. Or in Psalm 107, you, you hear about the wits of the seasoned mariners. Same phrase, their ability to comprehend and understand. So the purpose of the book is to know wisdom, to know skill, to know instruction, to, to be able to be disciplined. And it's speaking of a discipline of a moral nature. Are you willing to be instructed by God? You know, oftentimes we are, we are good at quoting parts of verses, right? Like, for example, somebody says, I'm really feeling... <clears throat> struggle with the devil, I'm struggling with Satan, and we'll say, well, resist the devil and he will flee. Is that how that verse goes? You only got half of it. Right? What's the first part? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You don't get to pitch that part. You don't get to throw that part out and say, oh, I'm, not, I don't, I, I'm just going to do my part, I'm just going to do this piece. No. What we want to understand is the discipline that is required to develop the skill, the wisdom necessary to go through our daily events. It requires discipline. It costs something. There's no magic pixie dust. If I had magic pixie dust, I'd throw it on y'all and it'd be easy. But unfortunately, as far as I know, in this world, there is no magic pixie dust. What there is, is the understanding that the book of Proverbs wants to give us. Skill and discipline. To help us to know skill and discipline. Skill and discipline to understand words of insight. The point that he's trying to make is it takes skill and discipline to comprehend the words that God gives us. So often we want it to be simple, we want it to be easy. How many times have you uttered, have I uttered, or have others said, oh, it's so hard to read the Bible, I have a hard time understanding it. It's going to cost you something. 
You actually got to put effort in. It's crazy. It's kind of like playing a guitar. You know, I always wanted to get better at guitar, but if I'm going to get any better at guitar than what I am now, it requires something I'm unwilling to give. What's that? Practice. Skill and discipline. So that I could understand the words of insight. <clears throat> I need skill and discipline to understand the Word of God. I need skill and discipline that's going to seek the Word of God, that's going to open the Word of God, that wants to study the Word of God, that wants to comprehend and understand the Word of God, who's willing to slow down and assume I don't already know when I come to Scripture. Because one, one of the biggest hazards for us in studying the Word is the assumption that I already know what it says. Do you wouldn't believe how many people I catch in a holding fast to some pattern in life because they think they know what it says. And they were wrong. So we want to develop the skill and discipline for holy living, understanding the Word of God. Look at verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. <coughs> to give prudence to the simple, and knowledge and discretion to the youth. So he wants us to understand verse 3 and 4. You're going to get something out of coming into the book of Proverbs. You receive something for putting time into the book of Proverbs. And it's something worth having. You see, discipline, skill and discipline produces a prudent life. A prudent life. A life that, that follows along these designs. Wise dealing, right? Prudence. A life walking in wisdom. And what is shown in that life walking in wisdom? Three things. What did it talk about? Righteousness, which is right living. Justice, which is right doing. And equity, which is fair doing. <coughs> that we have righteousness, justice, and equity. Those are things that come from taking God's word throughout the book of Proverbs and applying it in our life. That we develop skill and understanding and comprehending what it is that the Word of God is laying out for us, which leads us, that discipline leads us to a prudent life, wise living, right? And what is seen, and when do I know I have right, wise living? Righteousness, justice, equity. Righteousness, justice, equity. These are the fruits growing on that tree. <laughs> and then he says in verse 4, to give prudence to the simple. So he wants us to understand wise living is available to the simple. Now, the simple is not the fool. The Bible's going to talk a lot about the fool. The fool is someone who knows better and does it anyway. That's a fool. The simple is someone who doesn't have understanding and who, through instruction, can learn wise living. That's the simple. Nothing wrong with the simple. The simple is, is just someone who needs instruction to understand. Needs instruction to be able to understand. So the simple is going to have the ability to live a prudent life. To be able to foresee evil, foresee events on the horizon and be able to prepare for it. But not only that, it's to give knowledge and discretion to the youth. <coughs> now the idea of the youth is the immature. The one who... You know, they say uh, youth is wasted on the young, right? Because all of us old people would like to go back and, and have a few runs at what we, uh, the opportunities we maybe let go by when we were young. Well, what's the Bible tell us? The Bible says a study of the book of Proverbs will bring this comprehension 
this understanding of knowledge and discretion to the youth. So the immature can, can learn how to live their life. So the simple can understand prudence. This is the goal. This is the plan. It's a purpose as we come to the book of Proverbs to comprehend. Now in verse 5, we have a parenthetical statement. That means uh, <coughs> if you put it in parentheses in the middle of, of this phrase, which is, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. There's an exhortation. What's the exhortation? Let the wise hear. It's not only for the simple. If you're wise, do you have something you can still learn? Yeah, so let the wise hear. Let the wise hear. And when they hear, what are they to do? Increase in learning. If you think you have arrived, you should stop that kind of thinking. You should start realizing that a day in which we're not learning is a wasted day. The day that we're not learning about the attributes of God. A day in which we're not learning and understanding the wisdom of God. Where God would have us go. What God would have us be. That's a wasted day. So let the wise hear. And increase in learning. And the one who understands will obtain guidance. So those who are discerning. Those who comprehend. Those who are developed. Not the simple. Not the immature. But the wise and the discerning can receive learning, and guidance. So what is he telling us? The book of Proverbs is for everybody. To give us wisdom, understanding, prudence, discernment, guidance. All of these things are what the Word of God is calling us out to. That we want to comprehend, that we want to understand. Then in verse 6, look what it says. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So the next thing we see Proverbs does is it gives us mental discernment. To do what? To comprehend and understand the parables of Proverbs and the riddles. Multiple times the Bible is going to say, here's a riddle for you. Here's a parable for you. Here's an illustration for you. And we're left to make uh, observation and interpretation and application on what we found in the Word of God. And those things require effort on our part. That we are able to comprehend the genre. You guys understand genre? Do you read a comic the same way you read an encyclopedia? You're kidding. Why not? Are they different genres? What about a novel? Do you read a novel differently than you, than you would read a, a, a play? Then you would read something that Shakespeare wrote or something that was written thousand years ago, Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey. Is there, is there a difference in how we look at genre? Yeah, of course there is. You, you can't just assume you know what you think Shakespeare means when you read Shakespeare, do you? You've got to do a little research. You need to understand the use of the old English and what it meant when Shakespeare wrote it, don't you? Or does it only mean what it means when you read it? So we want to have a comprehension of the genre. We want to understand the proverb and the saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. God's trying to show us and teach us how to comprehend, how to work our way through His Word. So this is what's called the, the, the preamble to the book of Proverbs, these first six verses. And then we have in verse 7, the fundamental principle of the prerequisite for understanding. Here's, here's the nuts and bolts of it all. 
For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there we have a comparison by contrast. We talked about that, right? So what is, what is, what is it that the wise does? He has the fear of the Lord, right? And the fear of the Lord is the beginning, not the end, the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. And we have a comparison with the fool. So let's take a look at it. In our pursuit of wisdom, we will be surrounded by other people going the other way. Have you experienced that? In your pursuit of a relationship with Christ, have you experienced people who are in opposition to your views? How about opposition to your understanding, how you read things, how you might understand things? Well, we want to understand the way of the wise. So we're going to look at that first. What's the way of the wise look like according to verse 7? <clears throat> Let's take a look at how the Word of God would tell us. In Job 28.12, Job 28.20, Job 28.28, we see the journey of a description of the wise. Here's what it says in verse 12 of Job 28. Where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? So Job is asking, where do I go to find wisdom? Where do I go to have discernment, understanding? Verse 20. He says, from where then does wisdom come again? And where is the place of understanding? Job again asking. Now Job's been going through it, right? You guys all know the story of Job, yeah? He lost it all. And he's trying to to comprehend why. Anybody ever been that way in their life? Anybody ever had an experience with God where you're looking at it and you don't understand why that happened, what was the purpose behind it? So Job is asking, where can wisdom be found? Where can I find understanding? How can I comprehend these things that have been happening to me? But look what he says in verse 28 of chapter 28. He said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. (coughs) The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Here's what it says in Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Knowledge of God brings insight or discernment. So, we need to discuss a little bit the fear of the Lord. What's that mean? So, I just want you to understand, that word fear means just what it says, fear. It can go every, every definition from terror to reverence. That's a, it, the word simply is a, as, as, as current to the word fear in the English language as it could be. So what does it say when it talks about the fear of the Lord? What does that mean? What does it mean to be in awe of God or to revere God or to fear God? What does that look like? And I had somebody ask me, you know, in past generations there's been a variety of different ways that people showed reverence to God. Oftentimes in... Days gone by, one of the ways people would show reverence to God was what they wore. I wear a certain thing, I wear a certain hat, I wear a certain robe. sets me apart. And it's an outward symbol that I'm showing reverence to God. And I had somebody ask me, well, Jackie, what, what is it? What is it that shows reverence to God today? And all I can do is go back to my own experience. So if I'm going to go back, I go back to my experience with my father. How did I show my father I respected, revered, or was in awe of him? He could care less what I wore, just so you know. It didn't matter. I mean, maybe there was some limit. I, don't, I didn't push it all that far. But, 
There, there's probably some limit to what I wore. What was it that showed my dad I respected him, I revered him, I was in awe of him? It's simple. I did what he asked me to do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Respecting God, revering God, being in awe of God is to obey what God asks us to do. When we want to resist the devil so that he flee, what's that first phrase again? Submission to God, right? Submit to God. So when I submit to God, what am I saying? Am I showing reverence to God? If I bow the knee to God, which is the simplest explanation of submission, does that show reverence to God? Sure. If I obey what God says, does that show reverence to God, awe of God, or fear of God? If I obeyed my father, didn't it show that I feared him when dad said there'd be a whooping involved if I didn't get the lawn mowed? What happened? I got the lawn mowed. I, didn't, I was not stupid. I did, I'm not the fool. What would the fool do? The fool would know, I'm going to get a whooping for not doing it and not do it anyway. The Bible calls that man a fool. Who knew better, but didn't do it. Who knew better and didn't do it. So we want to operate in the fear of the Lord. Now when we look at this wisdom, what else is it that God's asking us for? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <coughs> so what is it that God calls us to in regard to that? Well, one of the things he calls us to, not only the fear of the Lord, but to seek it. To pursue it. To pursue that which God has for us. Proverbs 2, verses 3 through 5, it says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Isn't it interesting that one of the things that the Word of God calls us to is to treat the fear of the Lord as a treasure, as something valuable. To understand that God wants us to seek it. That God wants us to seek Him. And again, this reference is to believers, to His people. He's asking us, seek seek the fear of the Lord. Ask for insight. Ask for understanding. Isn't that what James told us as well? He also calls us to purchase it. Do whatever you can to get it. Do whatever you can to get it. In Proverbs 4 or 5, it says this. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. He said, hey, this is important. This is important. Get it. Get it. You need it. Keep in mind, wisdom. Remember, wisdom is a, is a skill to, to live out a life in, in obedience to God. And it also is God. We're going to see that in Proverbs 8. Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Whatever it takes. Is that how we want to understand God? Do we want to understand God so much so that we are in pursuit of Him, that we long to understand, we long to comprehend, we're going after Him? Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. To understand or know God more important than money, more important than gold, more important than silver, more important than all those things. In all you're getting, David would tell Solomon, get wisdom. You need wisdom. And finally, we're told to learn it. Proverbs 4, 1 and 2 says this, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake 
my teaching. Learn it. Look at it. Understand it. Know it. All we have to do to comprehend the way of the wise is to understand the way of the wise is the fear of the Lord. Following in obedience and submission to God as we live out our lives. That's the way of the wise. And if we want to know the way of the wise, then what do we do? We pursue it. We seek it. We, we purchase it. We go after it. We learn it. We put in the time to comprehend, to make the, the, that knowledge <coughs> ours. Okay, that's the way of the wise. Verse 7, what's the way of the fool? The way of the fool is a little simpler. Reject God is to reject wisdom. I want you to think about that. To reject God is to reject wisdom. In other words, if you don't have God, you don't know anything. There's a lot of smart people without God. But they don't know anything. In fact, if you asked them if they could be wrong about everything they know, what would they say? Yep. I could be wrong about everything I know. If I could be wrong about everything I know, do I know it? Let's make it simple. How tall is Calvary Chapel Buell? And I say, it's 30 foot. And you say, are you sure? And I say, well, I don't know. I could be wrong. Do I know how tall it is? It's pretty simple, right? If I say I could be wrong about it, then I've given up knowledge. Without God, I give up knowledge. In order for me to have a knowledge claim that I can hold to, that I can hold fast to, that knowledge claim must come through someone who knows everything or has revealed it everything to us. Who's that? God. That's why the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and the fool rejects God, and when he does, he rejects wisdom. He doesn't have comprehension or understanding. Psalm 14.1 says this, The fool has said in his heart, what? You guys know it, huh? The fool has said there is no God. Remember what I said about a fool? Fool's not simple. A fool does what? He knows better. Romans chapter 1, what does it tell us? It doesn't say that there are people out there who do not know that God exists. Romans 1 says, everybody knows. How do they know? God says, because I showed myself to them. (coughs) People do not go to hell for the God they don't know. They go to hell for not submitting to the God they do know. The fool says in his heart there is no God. Why? Because he knows there is a God. Just read Romans chapter 1. Like 16 through 20, something like that. And you'll see the concept, the phrase laid out for us. Proverbs 53.1 The fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. The fool says in his heart, why? He knows better. The fool knows better. How do I know the fool knows better? Because Jesus told me the fool knows better. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. You all know the story. The wise man built his house. Oh, he broke his house on a rock. What did a fool do? Built his house. Now, they're both builders. You don't really think the fool just stupid, do you? The fool... Knows better. He knows he should build his house on the rock. Why? Well, the wise man did and his house is still standing. The fool builds his house on the sand. Now Jesus defines it for us. What is the difference? What is it to build your house on a rock? What is it to build your house on the sand? 
everyone who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What did Jesus say is the definition? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Reverence and fear of God is to obey and submit to what God has given us. Jesus said, whoever does that will build his house on a rock. Whoever doesn't do it is a fool. Why? Because he said in his heart, there is no God. So he doesn't follow the precepts or the concepts that are laid out for us in Scripture. And what's the result? His house comes tumbling down. His house will not stand. So as we, as we close out tonight, far as we'll go in the, in the book of Proverbs, I have <coughs> just a couple of concepts for us. What's our response to the fool? What are we to, how are we to respond? What do we do about the fool? For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 says this, So that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and knowledge. All the riches of the full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is what? Christ. What's it say next? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Where is wisdom and knowledge found? In Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have it. You'll buy the craziest things. You'll believe the craziest stories. You'll take just about anything else that will justify your sin. Because ultimately, the reason the fool says in his heart there is no God is because he loves the dark. He loves the darkness. You cannot know anything unless you start with God. If you start without God, then you can't account for it. You know things. Everybody knows things. But you can't account for why you know it. Mathematics is such a great study in the, in the truth of God. Why? Because we understand 2 plus 2 is 4. But you can't tell me why. Account for counting. Where did it come from? How did we get it? Where did it develop? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's something that God gave. Either all the treasures of wisdom are in Him or they're not. The Bible says they are all in Him. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 say this, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Then the next verse is confusing. What's it say? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. One of the things we've talked about in school of ministry is a concept called presuppositional apologetics. When we talk about presuppositional apologetics, what are we saying? We're saying what you believe about your world is how you see your world. I believe in God, therefore I see the evidence pointing to God. Someone who doesn't believe in God, what does he see? Evidence not pointing to God. And he might tell me, oh, there is no God. I don't believe that there is a God. I'm not going to answer the fool according to his folly. I'm not going to pretend there's no God. I'm going to go straight to the existence of God. Because you can't know anything unless you start with God. That's my presupposition. I don't surrender my presupposition. I don't surrender the truth that God exists. I'm not going to say, well, let's pretend for a while there is no God, and let me pile up a bunch of evidence for you that there is a God, and then if you see enough evidence, you can be the judge. 
Is that how we should be? Should mankind judge God? Is that how that works? How does it work? Isn't it the other way around? Don't God judge man? So then how should it be? It should be that the, that the believer calls the unbeliever to repentance. The believer calls the unbeliever to acknowledge the truth of what God's word says. You know there's a God. Come on. I got a pump in the middle of my chest made out of meat that pumps 100,000 gallons of blood a year and runs on donuts. <laughs> and you, or bacon. <coughs> and you need proof that God exists. No, you don't. You know God exists. You know it. You won't submit to Him. Here's what Jesus said. Light came to the world, but men rejected the light. Why? They love what? They love the darkness. So I'm not going to waste my time trying to talk somebody into the existence of God. I'm not going to do Pascal's Wager. You guys know Pascal's Wager? Pascal's Wager is this. Well, look, you think there's no God and I think there is a God. And if I live my life thinking there is a God and I'm wrong and I die, I'm going to go into the ground and worms are going to eat my body. But if I'm right, I'm going to spend eternity with God. If you are right, you're going to go into the ground and be eaten by worms. If you're wrong, you're going to go to hell. That's Pascal's wager. But I don't think God's a bet. I think God is the sovereign God of the universe who calls all men everywhere to repent and believe. Repent and believe. This is the message that we need to bring. So, answer not a fool according to his folly. I'm not going to be a fool who says there is no God. I don't want to be like him. Keep in mind what it says in verse 4. Answer a fool not according to his folly, lest you be like him. What made him a fool? He said what? There is no God. I'm not doing that. I'm not surrendering God. The next phrase, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He thinks he's got a way out. He thinks he's figured a way out around God. What is it that God commands all men everywhere to do? Repent and believe. Share the gospel. It ain't your job to come up with arguments that's going to make somebody believe. Who does that? God does that. We want to put it into God's hand. <coughs> Without God, you are left with absolute absurdity. How many times have I heard somebody say, I am certain that there is nothing I can be certain of. Well, are you certain of that? Self-refuting arguments. Full of self-refuting arguments. Why? Because they have surrendered God. You give up God, you give up knowledge. If you don't believe in God, how can you know Anything. Colossians 2, 2 through 4 told us. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. Verse 4 says this. I say this in order that no one would, that no one would delude you with plausible arguments. Why is Paul telling us that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ? So that you're not deluded with plausible Arguments. First Timothy six twenty. Timothy, guard the deposit that's entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, because all knowledge is in, is in submission to God. <clears throat> Colossians two eight. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, but not according to Christ. Any wisdom that denies Christ is not wisdom. It's not wisdom, it's not knowledge. 2 Timothy 2, 
24 to 26. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. As you and me. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to... What's that next word? Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? Kind to everyone. Able to teach. What's the next phrase? Patiently enduring evil. So what God calls us to. Correcting his opponents how? With gentleness. For what purpose? That God may perhaps grant them repentance. And if they repent, what happens? They'll have a knowledge of the truth. You see, it's important that man first repents. Bows a knee to God. And then his eyes are open. Then he sees. Then he can understand. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's what God's word says. That's what God's word leads us to. Tonight as we take a look at the opening or the beginning of the, of the book of Proverbs, we're starting with the beginning of knowledge. And the beginning of knowledge lies in who? Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 8 is going to tell us he is wisdom. Personified. James is going to say, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Ask, and what will happen? He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. In all you're getting, get wisdom. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.